This one is for all the parents out there that have their, you know, baby on hip in the studio or in the rocker on the floor with the foot, the bouncer, while you're trying to demonstrate a class or perhaps even you've got grown students who are grown children who are students in your studio and the challenges that you face once they're older and a part of your classroom environment. There's so much that happens as a parent from when they're infants to toddlers to preschoolers to juniors and then seniors and then potentially teachers. Uh, it's a it's a life cycle. It truly is within a business, which potentially leaves a legacy in your family. And I and I understand that. I really do. Um, I brought this this particular episode about having you know kids and uh, managing that within your studio business. I brought that to you because I have noticed a few different comments uh, in some Facebook groups, um, studio owner Facebook groups of recent. And, you know, how people are trying to manage that. So we're going to just, you know, I'm just going to share my experience as a mum and uh, hopefully that uh, supports you, whether that just is via a bit of entertainment and a good old laugh, whether that's knowing that you're not alone and that, you know, there's some challenges that you may have to face, but they are they are uh, ones that can be overcome and, you know, there is people out there to to support you and 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 people understand you i suppose as a parent i want you to know that uh but also some of the the pros and the cons uh especially when you have older children that move into the uh classes throughout your studio life cycle so let's do it let's have a bit of fun let's get real let's get personal and i'm going to share 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 cuz that's what i do all right enjoy the show Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. I'm your performing arts business coach and host, Josephine Lancuba. This show is designed to bring you inspiration, information, and the instruments you need to create and grow the studio biz of your dreams. I will bring you a mix of solo episodes as well as interviews where I tap into the minds of industry experts. My career started as a performer over two decades ago. I later became a speaker, theatrical producer and talent manager, as well as having a successful teaching career in singing, drama and dance. Ten years into my professional journey, I became a mummer of two and with a baby on my hip, opened up my very own performing arts studio. From hardship and humble beginnings to four studio locations and a multi-six-figure performing arts biz, I know how to attract students and keep them coming back for more. And in the show, I will share with you my experiences to help you thrive and fast track your path to success. I know you have a spark inside of you with dreams and goals for the future. As your coach and mentor, I'm here to help you step into your limelight and be a cheerleader in your ear each and every week. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk studio biz and all that jazz. So hello, hello. Uh, Now back in, what year was it? 2014 was when I opened the doors to my studio. Having said that, prior to that, I did run programs and facilitate programs and I had another business but I never had a space. It was more of a mobile dance and fitness class service and musical theatre service. So I would go to gyms or I'd go into schools or I would, you know, all of that. And it was under my business umbrella name, 
but I was going to facilitate the programs externally, uh, not necessarily finding students individually to fill classes. And then I did end up doing that for a couple of years before I opened my studio. I had a partner, a business partner, and we did that for a good couple of years and we were producing musical theatre shows and, and musical theatre programs back in the day. Um, and then I branched down and went on my own and opened up my own studio in 2014. So I've been doing this for a long time. I say I've been a studio owner for 10 years, but really I've been running performing arts programming and facilitating that for two decades. So, you know, it's all a journey, isn't it? It's all a journey. Now, I wanted to share with you the reason I'm bringing up the, the day I opened up my studio back in 2014. It was when I got my first commercial lease, that is. And I just remember that because I was so proud. I had my daughter. She was like six months old at the time. Just trying to think, how old was she? Jesus, she was just a newborn. Hey, she would have actually been an infant when I got that studio. Wow, that's crazy to me now to think about it. So I opened up my business with a newborn and people thought I was crazy, you know, all of the things, but I, I didn't feel crazy. I felt like it was very aligned to what I wanted to do at the time. Uh, I just was sick of working, you know, modularly in my programming business and then for others part-time, you know, whether that be through administration roles or whatever I did talent, you know, I worked as a talent manager uh, for other organizations. And I just felt like I wanted to do it, even with a newborn. Now, the studio was sort of refurbished a bit. We did a little DIY job on the studio. It was totally, totally a wreck when I hired this space. It was it was gross. I got to be honest. Um, we had some mold problems, some real issues, but we turned that mutton into lamb and, you know, gave it a good paint, changed the floors, put mirrors up, uh, did the best we could, put fresh carpet in the back room, all the things that you do when you get a new space. And we did the absolute best. But I do have this photo of me, actually. Um, that photo would have been back in 2015. And I think my daughter would have been about six months old when this photo was taken. And I was outside of my freshly painted studio and I had my baby on my hip and... I was just smiling with my little daughter and was just really proud of it. It's funny because looking back on it, I can't believe I opened a studio business uh, with an infant, a newborn, but I did. And I did it because there was a dream attached to it. And I wanted to, I wanted to create something that was my very own and I wanted to grow something. I wanted to create something. I wanted to impact young people and bring the arts to them. And so I did. Now, at the time, I actually didn't have a class for her immediately. Uh, we never did mummy and me stuff or that sort of thing. But I did start a program from 18 months plus this, and then I ended up ditching that later. <laughs> I probably ditched it when my daughter turned <laughs> three and then I'm like, oh, we only do three-year-olds plus now. And then I ditched it again when she was four and I'm like, oh, we only do four years plus now. It's quite funny when I think about it. I just basically revolved all the programming around my kids. My son even did it when he was two. He did our little um, toddler class. 
So anyway, so uh, I digress. But yes, I I was running these classes uh, firstly while she wasn't able to participate. So how did I do it? I had a little bouncer. um, I brought her into studio. I got care where was possible. I really leaned on family, leaned on grandparents, leaned on hubby and all of these sorts of things. And it was it was like a relief almost to go into the studio and take a break. Um, sometimes you feel guilty about it, but then other times it was nice to actually feel recharged and that I'm a professional and I get to do what I want to do and build my business and not always play the mother role, which sounds um, to some, you know, doesn't sound great, but to me, I I always wanted to find a bit of a balance and I never saw myself as uh, a full-time carer, which sounds, again, to some, that doesn't sound like a comfortable conversation, but uh, that's not, I love my kids. I love my kids to death. I really do. And, but I just don't want to be home 24 seven all the time. I want to build a business. That's who I am. And I enjoy that part of myself. So I did what I could and I got care where I could. There did come a point though, where my, my first child was old enough to start participating in classes. Now, not everyone has the luxury of care and I'm very aware of that. So, um, my, my parents were not an option when it came to, to looking after the kids babysitting, but luckily my husband's parents were. So, um, we used that and it was really an important part of our journey. I don't think I could have done it the same way had I not had that support and help from family. Now, if you don't have support and help from family and you've got a newborn, Um, You just need to be honest with yourself about what you want. You don't have to be like me. If you want to be a full-time carer for your child and really be there, then I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that you can be. I just think you need to be realistic about some of the choices. Firstly, not being apologetic to bring them into the studio. If you need them on your hip, you know, whatever, on a bouncer, strapped to your back, whatever, that is what you need to do to get through. And that's the way it goes. It's your business. You set the rules. Never apologize for having your child on site. Secondly, though, if you do do find that that is a distraction and it's not really delivering the work, then alternatively, you can get someone to care for your child. It is an investment, but it's a short-term investment. It might only be for, you know, six to 12 months or something, and then you can decide how you want to move forward from there. Um, But aside from that, then if those two are not an option for you, then you need to find a replacement for yourself. And that can be a tough decision sometimes for us because especially if we're new, (laughs) like I was, um, Finding a replacement for myself in the early days was pretty much a non-existent option at the time because I had very few students. I opened my studio with only 12 students and then we eventually, within six months, we had like, you know, 40 students and then, of course, it developed into hundreds of students per year, but that was not an overnight thing. Oh, no, that was not overnight. That came through years of development and niching down to my, you know, what I was good at and, and really presenting my um, my branding position into the market and, and building up that clientele and that trust through the community. So, you know, um, at first I really did teach pretty much all of the classes. I taught all of the classes until I didn't. And that's 
that was pretty much when my second child came along. So by this stage, my, my daughter is now like, you know, two and a bit. And then my son comes along. Totally different experience. Totally different experience because now I've got two kids. So with my daughter, I was still teaching all the classes. At 18 months old, she was in my little toddler's class. Um, I did decide not to teach that class and get a teacher in for the class that my daughter was the student. Um, I just found it too difficult because she wouldn't, she just, she'd hang off me. But of course she would. She was my kid. So, you know, I just thought, you know what? Um, I'm just going to get someone else to teach that particular class. And I would assist the class, but not be the lead teacher because I just needed someone else to be in the room uh, when my daughter was that young. And she stayed in that program, that little um, tiny tots program from 18 months to three years. And, and by that stage, you know, now I've had my son, that's when it got a little bit more challenging because now I've got two kids. And so I started to step back from the teaching a lot more once I had my second child. Look, to be honest, it was the right decision for me um, to teach less. I just found it very challenging, very challenging to manage everything, especially because I have a very strong focus on the business side of things. Like, you know, they often, I don't know, what's the saying that you can't, um, develop the business if you're always working in the business. You know, you need to work on the business, not in the business all the time. That's what people say. You know the saying. So I felt that I couldn't grow it with two kids, teaching schedule and all that jazz. It was just too hard. It was too much for me. And also I started to lose the passion for the classroom, um, you know, at the frequency of which I was teaching. So I wanted to pull back there. Uh, now, you know, moving through a little bit, uh, I did see some people talking in a Facebook group of recent about the challenges of having their child in the classroom. And some people love it and other people, you know, find it difficult. I think it's like there's a fine line and it can be hard to navigate sometime for sure. I mean, it's so funny because <laughs> my daughter's now nine years old and she does my programs and her little friends, we, like I said, you know, I've got musical theatre programming. Um, we have other things as well, but that's our strongest element that we offer. It's what we're known for. And, you know, they get cast in different roles for the shows in the different programs. And it's funny, my daughter's little friends will come up to me and often be like, before casting happens, they'll be like, oh, can I get this role? Or I don't want to play that role. Can you put me in this role? Although as, as though they have this advantage because they're the director's uh, daughter's friend. And I'm like, uh, listen here, darling, just a reminder, I cannot guarantee that for you. I don't talk about casting with you outside of the classroom. I don't even do that with my daughter. So I have a very firm boundary when it comes to what I'm willing to share with my daughter about the business and the processes of the classroom because I want to treat her like everyone else but she's not like everyone else she's my kid um, and sometimes I've found that I fall into the trap of the opposite effect so instead of saying oh you know I want to treat her like everyone else 
it's unfair sometimes because sometimes she does deserve recognition or that award or that trophy. And it can be difficult to make that decision because you don't want to favour your child almost. But I think screw that. I, I recently um, thought screw that. You know, my daughter deserved to win something within the school and it was a community spirit award. And, you know, in all her nine years, well, seven and a bit years that she's been in the studio, she's never won a trophy with us, like from the award, our personal awards section. And I thought, screw that. Like this kid is committed. She comes in every week. She's our longest running student, you know. Um, it just like she deserves community spirit. She deserves that acc- accolade. She deserves the applause on the stage. And and I think sometimes we get too worried about what people think. So I just decided that that wasn't going to happen this time around and that if she deserves it, she deserves it. But it is a it is a challenge and it's something that you need to consider. Now, if you have a child in the infant stages, then like I said, don't need to apologize about that. You do whatever you need to do. Bring them into the studio, get care if you need to, or get cover teachers where you have to. If you have children actually in your classroom, your own kids in your classroom, and you're finding that to be a challenge, then you need to look at alternative options. So it could be that you do get a different lead teacher in the room and you actually play more of an assistant role or vice versa. You're the lead teacher, but you have an assistant in the room. That could be a lesser cost, more cost-effective option um, because if something happens with the kid, your child, it's a little bit difficult sometimes to navigate. As they get older and more mature, you may find it easier to be the teacher. It's hard when you've got a little two-year-old at your leg trying to pull you and go, mummy, mummy, you know, but that's different, isn't it, to a 12-year-old in a room. I think the key is, though, that when they do progress through the studio, that we're mindful that there isn't favoritism, but they're also not being left to the wayside because they are your kid. Because you want your kid to be rewarded fairly. So that that's a bit of a challenge that I think a lot of studio owners need to overcome. And that's a difficult thing sometimes. But look, um, I think the key takeaway here, especially for when they do become older, is sometimes as my daughter was growing into the studio, there wasn't a cockiness, but sometimes she'd be like, oh, well, can't you just do that? You're the boss. Or, hey, you're the boss. And then I had to have a good word with her and go, okay, listen, darling, that's not how this works. We need to have a conversation about what's appropriate and what what we do do and what we don't do. Um, and once I had that conversation, there was definitely a shift. So being open in the communication about your expectations, um, there was definitely a shift and yeah, I just, I just love that she takes on the ethos of our brand so much, you know, like she's often the one saying things like to other kids in the room, oh, it doesn't matter what role you get. It's just about being a part of the show. Like she totally gets it. So I think that's just come with time and that cultural shift and just her understanding that as really being a part of it. Um, I do try and involve her in other aspects, like sometimes she'll be painting things backstage, some of the props and things like that. And I think that's a really nice way to bring her in to the fold of it a little bit. 
Um, for me, it's not necessarily a long-term plan um, to have the legacy of me in the studio. That's that's not really what I'm looking for personally, but I know a lot of my clients do. Um, I just had a coaching call actually with someone um, last week. We talked about what her dream was for her studio and she shared with me uh, something that I thought was really interesting. She talked about how she wants to be able to pass on the studio to her kids. Now they're only in primary school, they're only youngins, but she's like, I want to pass this on to my kids and I want them to sort of take it on and there to be a legacy. And that was important to her. So I just think, you know, everyone's got a different mission, a different vision, a different, um, way of being. And for me, it's not that. For me, that's not my legacy. But for others, it is. And so, you know, bringing your child into the fold at an early age, you can do that in small ways, whether it be through, you know, backstage costuming, painting the props, um, just getting involved a little bit in the creation of things, in the creative aspect of an event or of a performance or behind the scenes. So there's ways to really bring them into the fold if you're looking for that legacy input. Of course, we cannot control what our kids choose and do. So it's really easy for us to say, oh, I want them to take over the business, but they might grow up and not want to do that. And I think we have to accept it. I know, for example, with my son, I was, I'm a little bit still sad that he doesn't want to do classes at my studio. He's seven. He's not interested. Um, I took him when he was two and I sort of regret having a break with him on that. Um, I think if we hadn't braked him, although there was COVID and everything else and that actually really affected it a lot. Um, so he was dancing with us when he was two and three and then COVID came along and then there was break and I've just never been able to get him back since. And I'm a little bit sad about that. But, you know, he's only seven and he might find his way. I've even tried taking him to other studios, like boys only hip-hop classes and stuff, just to get him into the vibe. And it's like I can't live vicariously through my kids. It's not fair on them. It's not fair on them. So I think the legacy piece of handing down a business is so beautiful as long as your kids are on board, you know, they have to want it. And a lot of people do want it. I know a lot of studio owners that I've worked with and coached that have taken on the business from their parents, you know, studios that have been operating for over 40 years. Um, so, you know, I, again, can't live vicariously through your kids. Totally get it. Am I a little sad that my son doesn't want to do performing arts right now? I am. Yes, I am. It does hurt me a little bit, but I have to get over it because he loves soccer. I mean, he loves soccer like he's a soccer head at the moment and that could change next week. So I just think we need to release the control of the outcome sometimes when it comes to those decisions Legacy doesn't have to be led by our family taking on a business. Legacy can be in other ways. It's the impact we make to others and to our community. It could be handing the baton, selling the business to someone else, you know. Um, the legacy lives on. So it just depends. You can reframe those sorts of words like legacy. But if you want it to be family run, then that's different. Get a buy-in. See if you can get them in, engaged in behind the scenes. You know, when they're old enough, you teach them 
to become an assistant teacher and you bring them through the ranks eventually where they do become teachers in your studio. But what happens when they do become teachers and they're not well-performing staff members? See, we've we've talked about infants, we've talked about that preschool ch- sticky age, we've talked about when they're juniors, but then when they become seniors and they might start working with you, I believe you should pay your kids. I, I think it's... Um, I think it's a nice thing for them to feel the reward of work. So, yeah, I think, you know, too often people don't get paid to be a part of a family business. I know growing up we had a bakery and I was too young to work in it, but my older sisters did. They got a bit of money, but I'm sure it wasn't a fair day's worth of pay. No way, no how. Um, It was more like free (laughs) labour. Free labour for all. Um, and, you know, and families do that and I get that. I really do. I understand it. Um, but sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a money reward for the work done, even if it's your kid. I mean, when I call in my sister to help backstage, I pay her because I, I want to as well. So I am mindful of all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it can be difficult with family once you start bringing them into the fold of being staff within the business if they don't start performing have seen it before and it is tricky. I've actually seen it on the flip side. Um, someone I knew many years ago who actually took on the business as, as a business partner with their mother. So their mother owned the business for many years. Then they took on the business as a business partner and yeah, it, um, it was a bit disastrous because the mother was, you know, I wouldn't call it embezzling because it's so low-hanging fruit what she was taking, but she was taking money from the kitty basically and because she's always done it. She's owned it for 40 years and she's done whatever she wants and now she's got a business partner whose buy-in is in the business and putting everything in it, but it's her kid and that's really messy. So that got very, very messy for their relationship as mother-daughter. So I think be mindful, be mindful. Um Whenever you step into a family-run business scenario or a collaborative working space scenario with family, whether it be your kid, your mum, whatever, just make sure that there are boundaries in place and clear communication and expectations. And there's got to be an exit. So if they're coming in as business partners, you know, they've grown up through the studio, they're really into it, they come on as business partners, um, have an exit strategy. Yes, have a contract even with your kid. People are going to say, oh, that's gross. Ew. Is it? Isn't it worse to not communicate and then have a fallout over something and, you know, put a spanner in the works and just put a wedge in your relationship or have tension in your loving relationship because of the business? I think that's worse. I really do. I think clear communication and standards and expectations is very reasonable. It's fair and reasonable. If you hire your kid, treat them like any other staff member. Have an employment contract. Get them to the training days. Onboard them like you would anyone else. Um, and it's it's teaching them responsibility. It's teaching them the way of the world and what it's like to work out in this big, big world that we have. So I don't know. I, I'm in two minds about that one. But anyway, that's my two cents. Um, again, no apologies for having your kid on site. You can create any work environment you like. If you find it too high of a distraction, look for alternatives. If you don't have family support, you can't get a sitter 
whatever, you know, maybe it's time to look at whether or not that schedule works for you anymore. You don't have to work around the clock. You can make different decisions. If you want to spend more time with your kid, spend more time with your kid. Have a business by design, not by default. You created this business, right? You created this business uh, to give you the flexibility to live your life. And you should be, you know, you should be running that business and not have the business run you. That's the key takeaway here today. You run the business. The business shouldn't run you. And if you're finding that you're not, you don't have enough time with your kids or you're feeling stressed about, you know, finding care for your children or having them in a class that you're teaching, look at the alternatives. Be open to it, even if it requires a bit of an investment. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be my advice for today. But we all go through it. We all go through it, you know, and not all of us, sure, but lots of us do. A lot of us are parents, studio owner, you know, we've got studio owner kids running around and, you know, we can embrace that. We can be proud of of that. Um, We don't have to be apologetic for that. So, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to share that story with you and my personal experience as well as some of the experiences of the people I've I've chatted to over the years and, and how that's affected them. And I just think it can be a really beautiful thing as well. So do enjoy it where you can. Uh, and it's lovely to see them grow through the process, you know. All right, everyone, have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening. Uh, I actually have a little special gift, um, which I'll pop in the show notes for you all because. Um, Easter's coming and I've got a little free gift that I want to give you, which is a my excellent Easter marketing campaign. It's all done for you. Canva tiles, all done for you. Social media tiles, the copy, everything, all done for you. I'll do a little um, tidbit promo next week to explain what it is a bit more. But for now, just drop a link in the comments. And you can download that for free and enjoy as you lead into Easter and maximize um, all of the the goodness of what those um, attracting new clients can bring during seasonal periods through marketing, through good marketing techniques. Anyway, I'll pop the link down in the show notes for you. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Bye. This episode was brought to you by my signature group coaching program, Studio Biz Success an amazing and accessible online educational platform for performing arts studio owners designed to help you grow your business with confidence and get your results. Check it out at josephinelancuba.com along with other great industry resources to help you leap into the studio biz you deserve. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tag me on social media at josephinelancuba and give it a review. Your support helps the show to grow so I can continue to provide you with useful, informative content. I'm Josephine Lane Cuba, your biggest cheerleader. Thanks for listening and shine bright.